Oh, church, uh, last Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, big day, wake up early, me and Jackson are going to be here early to get ready for everything and uh, take my shower, ready to go, getting ready to walk out the door and uh, brushing my teeth and I turn on the faucet and it's dripping. Just shower was fine, but the water's just dripping. And... Um, you know, talking to my wife, Kelly, who was just up here helping lead us, and, and she's like, you know, it's, uh, it's Easter Sunday. What are you going to do? We, we got we to just go. We'll figure it out um, later. And we had family coming over for Easter, so it's like, man, so we, Jackson and I just came on to church. We're out here in the parking lot before we come in, and we just pray. We prayed for Easter Sunday. We prayed for everything God was going to do, but we also prayed that um, we could have water so that our family coming over later that day could flush toilets and stuff like that. And, uh, and then we, we came here, and if you were here, man, it was such a beautiful day. Um, one of my favorite relentless days ever. Um, it was the, the coming back together. It was new faces. It was faces that hadn't been around in a little bit. It was the teamwork. It was people running around everywhere, bought in, not just ready to come to church, but ready to serve at church and just the, the group community effort to do everything that was done last week. And then um, just the power in Jesus through death, destroying the devil and delivering us. He is not here. The baptisms, we had one at the nine o'clock and three. So a total of four, three at the 11 o'clock. So a total of four baptisms last week, which is beautiful. Um, the, you know, it's the first time we've ever gotten to baptize in the service, like we've never uh, got to, we've always had to do it out there or behind the theater back in the old days. So it was beautiful to figure out how to get it in here and, and see and have it as part of the worship service as, as we did. It's just so much beautiful things. It was a good long day. We came home, right? We had our uh, uh, family and some from out of town coming for just to celebrate Easter. They came to church and then came to our house and, and the water was back. All right, everybody was able to flush and enjoy and drink and do all the stuff we do. Uh, they left, you know, sometime six, seven hours later, about eight or so o'clock Sunday night. Uh, we turn on the faucet and it's not dripping, it's nothing. It's straight gone water, right? So we figured that out and there's a tank issue connected to the well, but it took us till Tuesday. So for about 36 hours at the Jones house, we were without a drop of water. And as one of my kids stated so truly, being without water is way worse than being without electricity, right? Without electricity, it's usually because of storm and, you know, everybody's going through it. You kind of do get to do some things you should do anyway and talk and play games. Without water, man, it's just like, what do we, so, so, and I don't, I'm not putting it on my kids because it was five of us adults too. Like it was a struggle. And you remember some of you that know, like there's still in 2022, there's like a billion plus people that don't have access to clean water. But but we do, and we take it for granted because we've always had it. We have it back now. I thank God this morning just for water as it's, as it's flowing. But, but you don't know what you have if you've always had it, right? I want us to sit in that as we get into this brand new series. And I don't know if you feel like, I don't know if I say this every series. Um, I'm not apologizing if I do. This specific series that we start today, and it'll take us all the way through May, it it. it we expect it to change your life, right? And that's nothing about, like, I got some great story that's going to make you cry. It's nothing about some, it's, it's, it's nothing about me. It's, it's the content. It's the truth that you're going to hear in this series is so life-changing. And it's, it's changing my life as I study it and, and preach it. We, our goals are two for this series, right? Our two goals. One is that we would be tighter with Jesus at the end of it than we are today, that's kind of always a goal. Second and specific to this series is that we would be more aware, more aware of the enemy that exists, right? And what to do about that and how to, how to live in that and how to help each other fight the same fight. And we're going to start in this place called Eden. And it was, it was not just that, the, you know, there was no, they didn't know what it was like to not have water. It, it was perfection, and they didn't know anything less or more. That's all they had known. We're actually going to start in Genesis, the very first book in the Old Testament, chapter 2. This is, this is how it's set up. The Lord God, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, 
You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That's the setup, this beautiful God. Again, we've preached this before. as a gospel-centered church. The gospel didn't start with Jesus. The gospel started from the beginning, and, and we get a kind of glimpse of who God is when he set up the world, the garden. Like That's how he wanted things to be, right? So it's him and the man originally, and he said, here's all these trees. You eat any of them. It's all for you. Just don't eat of the one. Fast forward a few verses to chapter 3 is where we'll be today. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. All right, now if you've heard the story, you know that the serpent is representative or is the enemy, the devil, Satan. How do we know that? We know that from Scripture, interpreting Scripture. We know later in Revelation, the last book in the Bible, it refers to Satan as the old serpent. So we don't know exactly how this happens, right? Snakes back then don't look like they do today. That was a result of what is about to go down. But, but the enemy actually took the form of a serpent. So, so the embodiment of evil, remember, Satan is not a human. Satan is a fallen angel, right, that rebelled against God. And, and now he takes the form of a serpent in order to have a conversation with the first humans, Here's how the conversation starts. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The very first words of our enemy's mouth is did God really say? He is so deceptive. That's the word we're going to keep hitting. He is so good at that. Right? So he's going to come at you maybe a little different than he comes at me. But what we're going to learn from this series is really important for your life, for the rest of your life, for the rest of our life, is he always does certain things. There's certain things that are just, he, Jesus called him the father of lies, right? So he always does certain things. We want to learn from that. And what he's really good at is twisting, right? And, and doubting and always painting God. Here, here's, did God really say? He's always painting God as more restrictive than he actually is. How many people do you have in your life that one of, if not the, one of the reasons they're not here, not at Relentless, but in church, one of the reasons church is out for them is because they believe that God is a restrictive God. They were taught that God is the God of no. And I don't like no, I like yes. So why would I go to church and hear about a God who's going to tell me and take away everything I want to do, right? That is from the enemy. He always is trying to paint God as more restrictive than he actually is. What he's trying to do and what he was trying to do here with the woman and here with us, he's trying to scare us that the name of the series, FOMO, that we would be afraid, fear of missing out on something Good. I often will have God just put people on my heart, usually when I'm praying and I've learned, and I can still grow, I've learned to try to reach out. If God puts somebody on my mind, it's usually not just to pray for them, it is also to check on them in some way. So I did that a couple weeks ago um, with a person that, that was at Relentless pre-pandemic, hadn't seen in a long time, and just was checking in. And I received back a, a heartbreaking email um, with a lot going on uh, in this life. But I, but I want to share with you the opening line of the email um, of this person. It said, to be honest, there are things that I feel deeply about that don't necessarily, necessarily align with what the Bible teaches. So on the journey of this person, they came to the point where I've got some beliefs that don't align with what the Bible teaches. Right, and I get that, right? Who, who of us doesn't get, hasn't walked through some of the doubting and some of the process, and, and that's okay. Like, God's a relentless God. He really, he doesn't give up on anybody. But let's, let's think about, because this is so representative, right? There's a creator. He created you. And, and the message of Easter is still as much true on April 
24th as it was on April 17th. Like He loves us, and he didn't just say, I love you, take my word for it. He demonstrated love through the cross. He is powerful creator God and personal loving God perfectly combined. So he has authority because you're the created, and he's the creator. Right? You can't create. I can't create. We can do some cool stuff. We can't create humans. He is the author of life, and he is the author of love. He says what he says in his work. And here's a person being super honest. I've got some things that I think that don't line up with what he says. So what do we do? Right? If just stepping back logically, man, I as the created think this, but the God of the universe who's all powerful and all loving says this. I'm going to go with the creator <laughs> over what I think as a flawed human who's not God and can't create life. I'm always going to go with the creator over the created. And we know logically we should never place ourselves above God. So what do we do? What is he going to, he's always going to come back to God really say, because deep down, deep, deep down, we, we fight it deep down. You know, the created cannot overrule the creator. What gives us the right to have authority over the one who made us? Nothing. So what do we do? What does the enemy do? What has he been doing and what is he doing in churches in 2022? He's playing the same card. Did God really say? If God didn't say it, if we can help people wonder and doubt and think, well, maybe this was just some chauvinist man who wrote this. This is the biggest difference. Right, as we've talked to, and I have pastor friends, and we talk about real things, and they're brothers, and I love them. But as we talk about issues of the day and really get down to ones that I have that kind of trust and vulnerability with, like, what are you saying? What are we saying? What's the difference? The difference is, is a lot of folks believe that scripture is from man about God, it's from humans, and it's their best effort to tell and describe about God. We at Relentless Church believe that the Bible's not from man about God, that it's from God through man, right? Fallible men, flawed men, but the source of the revelation, the word of God is God, that he wanted us to know and not guess. So he gave us the word of God. And man, if he can, if the enemy can get us to wonder, did, did God really, is that really from God? Man, it changes everything. And instead of preaching that whole message we preached before, I'm going to recommend a book I recommended uh, sometime a year or so ago. It's just one, I'm rereading it because it's just good for my soul. It's called God Breathe by Josh McDowell. It's just a, it's a great evidence kind of just build. If you're struggling with, is this really from God? It's just a beautiful book for that. Get it, read it, memorize it, whatever. So doubt is part of the process, right? It's, it, we, we want you to sincerely investigate. We, we want you to work through those doubts. It's a part of the it's part of all of us. It's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. So know all that. But the first mistake, the woman, later she gets named Eve. She hadn't been named yet. The first mistake of this woman, remember the, the serpent came, did God really say? Her first mistake is having dialogue with the enemy. You're going you're gonna to hear some things in your soul. You're going to think some things. You're going to be, if you've ever experience, you, you know what it feels like to be tempted. That's going to happen. It's not your fault. It's not wrong when you're tempted. It's coming. When you're tempted, the worst thing you can do is start to have dialogue with the enemy about the temptation. Dialogue out loud, or usually it's dialogue in your head. What should she have? We'll tell you what she said in a second. What should she have said? She should have said, what was the question? Did God really say? She should have said, no, he didn't. Get out of my face right? And run. She probably shouldn't even said that. She probably was like, Lord, he's talking to me. Lord, because Lord was with them in the garden. God went like, no, no, no. I'm not hearing this. Yes, he really said. I know he really said and run the other way. That's what we have to do. Let, let's, let's break it down because there's a, there's a verse that if you grew up in church and, and I know uh, several of you didn't and we're so glad you're here. We're a church for the untold and unconvinced. But for those of you who we're in church for a lot of your life, you've heard somewhere along the line this phrase, take every thought captive, right? And that's straight from Corinthians, it's straight from scripture. And it's amazing, it's just Paul's teaching, he's talking about taking every thought captive to Christ. So a lot of church people have heard that verse. It's very hard 
It's discouraging to me as a pastor. It's very hard to find a Christian who, know, who can explain what that means. All right, what does that mean? Take every thought, that's a weird sentence. Take every thought captive. How do you imprison your thoughts? It doesn't even make sense. All right, so, so here's, here's let's, let's, let's walk that out. All right, you leave here, you go about your day and your, and your week, and somewhere along the, line, along the line, you have a thought. It's not a good thought. It's a bad thought. It's an evil thought, right? When I say evil thought, it's not like killing kittens. That's like not, not evil like that. Now, if you're thinking about killing kittens, we got some specific people that want to pray for you, right? It's a, it's a whole ministry at Relentless. You know, a lot of people don't know about the, the people that pray for the people thinking about killing kittens. But I'm not talking about that kind of evil. I'm just talking about... Right, because did God really say, like, eating fruit from a tree? That's not evil. It's evil. It's just disobedient. So when you're thinking about doing your own thing, you fill in the blanks, whatever that might be. You have that thought. Now, now there's a battle. We say this all the time. It never starts with your actions. Your actions flow out of your mind. What you think this week. We, the, the, the enemy is not happy we're doing this series because you're going to think differently, not because I'm preaching this message, because the Holy Spirit is active and you're going to learn how to battle in your mind. When that thought comes, it's battle time, right? Now, can Satan put thoughts in our head? That's a whole nother message. It's a combination of our own messed upness combined with a real tempter who's a devil with demons everywhere that are active and invisible that actually use our thoughts against us and show up in temptation like we see in this, in this um, passage in Genesis. So you have that thought. Now there's a battle in your mind. What, what do you do with it? What do you let in? Church, what do you let into your mind? Some of us are coming here on Sunday morning. This is the nine o'clock week after Easter crowd. This is the true soldiers, right? And you're, 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 in, like you're wanting to live and, and not waste your life and live for Jesus. And then, and then it comes. And then you're letting stuff in. Some of you are pumping music or, or shows or media or people or podcasts or conversations. You're pumping stuff into your brain that is the exact opposite of where God is calling you. You've got to have some authority about what comes in your mind. And it doesn't have to be, you know, filth, right? Sometimes it's just, it's just watching a show that glorifies or romanticizes adultery. It, it makes it like look cool or it makes it a punchline and you're married and it's not that you're thinking about cheating. It's just seeds are getting planted that you're not even realizing that there's an enemy involved in that. So it's about what you let in. But then once you have the thought, what do you do? Some of you think the goal is to never have that thought. Right? We're human beings. You're not going to go this Sunday to next without thinking some crazy. When it comes, it is taking it to Jesus, right? I did, oh my goodness, I'm 45 years old, right? I've been a Christian for a lot of that. For half of that, when I had that evil, nasty, tempting thought, I thought, oh my, let me grab that and hide it from Jesus. Oh my goodness, I can't, I can't, oh, I can't even believe that showed up in my mind. Like, don't look at that. How stupid. Jesus knows, right? He already knows what you're thinking, right? He's not scared or ashamed of that. He actually went to a cross to help you with that, and he sent a spirit to help you with that. So taking every thought captive is, here, Jesus, here's what I'm thinking about doing. Here's what I'm thinking about watching. Here's what I'm thinking about uh, ascending. I'm about to hit submit on that send button. On the, here's what I'm thinking about saying or doing or not doing. Help me out. Here it is. It's yours. I'm going to take this thought. I'm going to give it to you. Jesus captive. Yo, he's the one that imprisons. Put this in Jesus' lap and see what he does with it. When you hand it to Jesus, it does not play out the way the enemy hoped. Jesus is really good at taking my messed up thought and captivating it, capturing it, and throwing it away and helping it actually grow my faith. What was meant to mess me up actually grew my faith because I saw Jesus walk into my temptation and he's powerful. If you don't know he's powerful, you haven't experienced that, wait for the thought. It's coming. You're going to think something crazy. Wait for it this week and then say, all right, Jesus, and say it out loud. Here's what I'm thinking about doing, Jesus. Here's what I'm thinking about watching. Here's what I'm thinking about saying. Here's what I'm thinking about not doing. Here's, here's the lie. Here's what I want to say to this person right now. And see, see Jesus show up in your life. This woman, later named Eve, did not know about that. She didn't know about the verse that we get later, resist the devil, and he will what? He'll flee. That's a promise from God. You, how do you resist? 
You bring Jesus into the conversation. He runs, right? He'll get away. But if you don't, he won't. And in our culture, a lot of this that we're talking about, they would say this is you're denying. You're denying who God created you to be. It's a lie, right? When you, when you take, it's not denying who God created you to be. What you are doing is you're fighting against the flesh that wants to destroy. You're fighting against the enemy that has awful plans for you, your future, and your family. And you're fighting against that. It's not stepping into God created you to be. Verse two, here's how the woman responded. The woman said to the serpent, we may, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. So Eve did a little add-on here. Now she wasn't around. It was just Adam, just the man in chapter two. Then she gets brought in because, you know, God made woman. So, so we don't know if Adam added that and told Eve, like, yeah, here's what God said, or if Eve did, like, we tend to do that. We tend to take what God says and then put extra on it. He, did, he didn't say don't touch it. Now, that's probably smart. If I'm told not to eat from a tree, it's not any good in touching it, right? But she adds on, and we're not sure why she adds on, but it's okay. She does. And here's Satan's response. Verse 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, the, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You know, when you hear the word playbook, I think of football, right? Because there's playbooks. It's not, you know, we're a basketball family. Um, that's, what we're, that's what we're known, right? Somebody uh, came to our Easter service and they hadn't been here since uh, Christmas and they're like, you always talk about basketball. It's like, you had not been here in five months, but you're right, I do. Um, so we were, we were playing a, a game. We had some of the guys from Jackson's team and some of the girls um, from Mia's team over at the house after a game this year. And it was a rival game and, and the parents of the varsity boys have to clean, help clean up the gym and the players had helped with that. In all of that, one of our players found a playbook of the opposing team. I'm like, who, who has a playbook in basketball? And it was like a notebook and it had a game plan and it had uh, some key points and it even had some inbounds, out-of-bounds plays and, and stuff drawn up. And, and the kid who's a great kid is one of our captains. He, he had the playbook. He's at my house and they're having this conversation. I kind of walk in on it and he's like, I'm gonna give this back to, because he knew some of the players. This is one of our rivals. So I'm gonna give it back to a coach or a player. And some of the other guys are like, no, 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 no. Let's take pictures. That's the playbook. Let's get in on that. And, and he's like, no, that's not right. And, and I'm just walking through, and he's kind of looking at me. Um, you know, he knows I'm a pastor, and he's kind of looking at me like, give, give me some help. He doesn't say anything, but I, and I'm just, I'm like, I mean, they did leave it in our gym, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, I don't say anything. I just walk because I'm thinking, you know, if you're going to write a playbook and you're going to leave it in our gym, like, you kind of get what you get, right? But I didn't say that because he's trying to do the right thing, and he did. As far as I know, you know, we never took pictures, and he took it back and got it to that team. It is of great value, if you know what the opposition is trying to do, right? It's of great value. We get a playbook here. He, he, he does the same things. He does it different and he's going to come. He is, his greatest asset is, a, is his deception. So to be a great deceiver, you're not going to always come the exact, but there's some overarching principles that are going to change how you live your life and think and live as we point them out together. He always lies, always, but he mixes the lie in with truth. He's not so obvious. He's going to give you a lie. Like, what did he do right here? You will not certainly die. That's a lie, right? But then he backs it up with the rest of the verse, which is, there's some truth. It is what God said. But even in his lie, right, you, you know that person, don't look at them if they're beside you. You know that person in your life that you can have a debate and you can give them either side of the argument and they're going to argue with a red face and they're going to argue it well and they're going to win. Like it's not about if it's true or not. It's just about they, they, they can argue that this, no, the sky is not blue, the grass like, and they'll do it passionately. with all. That's, that's our enemy. And he, he takes little, little things and twists them. Like maybe, I don't know, it doesn't give us, maybe he was saying, woman, you will not certainly die. How, how would you know that? Certainly, you won't certainly die. How could you really be certain? What, what makes you certain? The only way to be certain is if you say, have you ever seen anybody eat from this tree? No. Well, it was only her and Adam, <laughs> right? But if you've never seen it, 
So the, how would you be certain? Somebody ate and died. Has anybody eaten? No. So are you really certain? So he, he didn't say you will certainly die. And if he did say that, how would you know? And it's a straight up lie followed by this truth. God knows. When you eat it, your eyes will be open. And we need to understand what this, this means when it, knowing good and evil, because it doesn't mean knowing right from wrong, right? If you, if you read it that way, it's going to mess up some of your theology. They, they already had to know right from wrong because God put them in a garden and, and gave them a commandment not to eat. So, so there would be no way for them to, to, to know right from, you know, that wouldn't make sense. So, so they knew right from wrong. Here's what they didn't know. They didn't know wrong. They didn't know the feeling that we have felt in this room. This isn't right. This is not of God. This is disobedient. But I want to do it anyway. And I'm gonna, and I did. And now I'm feeling that feeling of, man, that wasn't, that wasn't the right way. They had never, their eyes had never been opened to good and evil because they had always, they'd been walking with God. They'd never been tempted. They'd never messed up. They'd never sinned. Sin is just going against God. So they didn't know what it was like to choose anything but what they were supposed to choose. They didn't know what it was like to feel shame or any of that. So what they were about to do, they'd only known good. Now they're going to know evil. They're going to know what it's like. And we need, to, we need to redefine strength. I, I, I wish I would have redefined strength in my life 20 years ago. My, I would have saved some regrets. What I mean when I say redefine strength. Strength is not, in this example, strength is not, God told me not to eat from the tree. But I can go up to the tree, I can fake bite, right? I can look at it, I can smell it. But I'm so, Jesus, I'm so strong, I can be all around the tree, dancing in the tree, and I'm not going to eat the fruit because I'm strong like that. That's not strength. That's stupid, right? But we sometimes we act like, oh, look how close I can get. Look how I can tiptoe. But hey, don't worry about me in that situation, in that place, in that relationship, in that whatever. Don't worry about me because I'm strong enough to handle it. And if I couldn't handle it, I would be weak. I thought that was true. Strength is, God said, that's not for me. Therefore, I'm not going anywhere near that. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to smell it. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to tiptoe around. I'm not playing games. I'm, I'm not teasing. I'm not flirting. Because if he said that's not good for me, that's all I need to know. And I'm not going to put myself in a position Right, I've gone back and forth. I've talked about this with guys I've preached before. I've gone back and forth with the gram. For me, and again, for me, Instagram, I cannot have that on my phone. Right? 49 days out of 50, I don't want to hit that explore. I don't want to see anything. Like, I'm, I'm done with that. I don't want that. 49 days out of 50. But I got to know there's going to be a day out of 50 where I'm tired, where I'm weak, where I'm tempted, where something triggered, I don't know, where I like, you know, and if it's available, so I don't have it on my phone for the one day, not for the 49. You're like, man, that dude is weak. That's my pastor. No, that's strength. In my weakness, Jesus, give me wisdom to know what I need and what I don't need. Verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And life changed forever for all of us. It reads like she hadn't really looked at it before, right? Some translations say when the woman realized that the fruit of the tree was good. So, so it sounds like she's been in the garden, God said stay away, and she had, and she hadn't. Now she's like, oh, you know what? Now, what, what changed? She trusted him. She trusted God. We don't know how long Adam and Eve were in the garden before this. It doesn't give us that timeline. Days, weeks, months, years. She trusted God until she was tempted. Since y'all want me to keep talking about basketball, let me tell you this. This is, the, this is a part of, of the year where a lot of, you know, players are getting ready uh, for some summer tournaments and especially, you know, for the next year of high school ball, college ball. So a lot of training is happening and there's a lot of players, and I'm not mad about it, there's a lot of players that are working on their moves. 
right? So they may be in a gym or a driveway and they're just repetition over and over. How quick and low can I get this cross? I'm gonna add the spin. I'm gonna add this. I'm gonna add that. I've gotta give, I'm just working over and over and over on this move and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, you wanna know if you're getting anywhere, invite somebody into the gym or the driveway to guard you. Then we'll see if the move is worth it, right? I can score, I'm old, I can score all day with no defense, right? I, like, I could average triple-double, right? Well, no assists if it's just me, but you know, you don't really know anything until you get some defense. This woman, she wasn't worried about the tree. Now she's got some opposition, right? How messed up are we because we come in here and it's beautiful and we're a church but we don't understand that there's opposition. There is an enemy and he's got a playbook and he's coming. Anybody can trust God when you're not being tempted. It really doesn't mean it's trust until you trust him in the middle of temptation. And some of us were taught in performance religion. When I'm getting tempted, that's when I get ashamed and scared. That's when I isolate from God, his people, and the church. That's the biggest damage of the pandemic is the isolation that it caused that people are still suffering from. You... No, you, you turn to God and you trust him in the temptation when, there is, when there's somebody guarding you. And this is, this is Eve in her FOMO moment. She's beginning to wonder, am I missing out? Or we'll say it this way, is God holding out on me? You ever felt that? It's okay if you have. And maybe... God's not as good as we sing that he is. Maybe, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe there's a bunch of stuff that's really fun and awesome and he's just holding out and not letting us, his people, do the fun stuff. And I'm missing out on some of the best stuff. It's connected back to trust because if you know him as a good God, you experienced it and you've lived it, right? You can go to that, right? Right in this moment is God, I'm gonna have, oh no, I'm gonna take that thought captive. Is God holding out on me? No, he's not holding out on me. He's so good and I know it and I trust him because he's always come through for me. That's the conversation that determines do you eat or don't eat? And in her moment, am I missing out? She thought, yeah, I think I am. There wasn't enough trust in that moment to follow through and obey. And this is why we need each other. None of us are going to live this life without thinking some crazy thoughts and without having some moments. I think God might be holding out on me. We need somebody to love us and be with us and say, no, 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 no. You're good. Like he is good. He was like, this was a moment she knew better, but in this moment he said the right thing and, and she was looking at the fruit and she just needed somebody. We'll talk about that somebody next week. She needed somebody to say, no, 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 no. We can trust God on this. Do you have somebody, if you do, you hug them, kiss them, text them, thank them. You have somebody that will straight up love you and tell you, man, that's not, that's not of God. What you're doing or thinking or saying, that's not of God. I love you, I've been there, but that's not of God. Easter is still true. He is not here. That's beautiful four words. He rose from the dead. But if we don't get this, church, like you, you can be his and I'm a child of God and saved, all that. Like you can be all that and still severely lose the impact that God put you on this earth to have. You can spend your whole life losing the battle in your mind. And it doesn't mean you're going to hell. It just means you're not going to be effective and fruitful if you don't understand and learn this. And we need each other, as Eve demonstrates, all of us lose when we're alone. Right, there's a verse that, uh, in the scripture that says, uh, the devil's like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. And if you're a little bit sick and watch those discovery shows where the lions chase down and kill the animals, they're always looking for the one straggling, isolated by themselves. We always lose alone. It's one of the reasons we're excited about this small group deal coming up. Right? Some of you just want to meet some people, and that's going to be beautiful, but it's going to be more than that. Uh, we'd love for you to sign up. It doesn't start this week, but next week, it's three Tuesday nights. Simple. We're going to do it in this room. We've never done it in this room before. How are we doing small groups in this room? We're going to, we're going to 
not do a ton of teaching, a little bit. It's going to be about this series. We're going to talk about fear of missing out. Then we're going to be in small groups and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what God's doing in our life. We're going to pray, right, together. If you're not comfortable with prayer, you can still come. We're not going to make anybody pray, but we're, we're going to... We're going to talk about like, hey, deception and how can we help and who needs prayer. We're going to we're going to be the church together in this room for three Tuesday nights. And you're also going to meet some people and somebody might know your name and that'd be a beautiful thing. Don't wait till next week to sign up. Sign up this week. Here's what we all have in common. Here's why we do small groups. Here's why we've got to get going as a church. All of us. To your right, to your left, behind you, in front of you, all of us are capable of being deceived. Isn't that crazy? You never graduate. Hey, I'm, I'm exempt from deception. I can't, you never will get there on this. And that's kind of like bummer, but it's really encouraging and freeing. And here's the worst thing about deception. I hate to say this out loud because I know it's true. The worst thing about deception is you don't know you're being deceived. Nobody's like, yeah, I'm being deceived. Like I'm stepping right in this trap and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the biggest regret of my life. If you knew you were being deceived, that would mean you're not being deceived. All of us are capable. None of us realize it in the moment. So what is that about? You know what a lot of churches teach? Well, we're just all human. We all fall short. We all fall. And there's truth in that, but that's not what he's teaching. He's teaching victory. We can live in victory. And how do we live in victory? If I don't know I'm being deceived, I need people around me, not just small group. I'm talking about even deeper than that. Love me that have access and permission to speak. Because even though I might not realize I'm being deceived, if I'm talking about my heart and being real, my wife probably will see it. My closest brothers will probably see it. Right? We're not alone. We're, we're, we're so much, we're so vulnerable when we're alone, but we're not when we're together. Yes, Jesus, Holy Spirit, power of God. Yes, 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 yes. That'll help you with deception, but God made us to do this together. Because there's pleasure. It's one of my biggest credibility, you know, as I've studied the word, that book, um, God Breathe, that I talk about, like we, I, I guess God, I can't stand up here and do it. I got to know that this is from God, not from man. I got to know that. And I do. One of the things that makes it so credible is scripture tells us that sin is pleasurable, right? If that was from man, we'd try to just scare people and say, scripture admits temporarily sin is satisfying, not long-term, not in your soul, but for the moment, Sin is satisfying. That's what makes it tempting. If it wasn't tempting, then it wouldn't be a temptation, right? If you're on a diet, have you ever heard anybody say, man, I'm on this diet, and I just, man, I'm so missing romaine lettuce. Oh, I can't wait till this diet is over. I'll just eat five plates of romaine lettuce. No one says that. Why? Because romaine lettuce is healthy, and healthy stuff isn't tempting. Now, somebody's going to come to me after church like, I could eat five plates of romaine lettuce. Tell somebody else, right? <laughs> because either you're lying and the devil's a liar and I don't want to hear your lies or worse, you're telling the truth and I'm going to think bad thoughts about you and I don't want to do that. So just keep that to yourself. It's not tempting. What's the tempting? The tempting stuff is the delicious, juicy, fried looking, right? And the Bible admits that. God said, yes, there's going to be some stuff you're enticed to. And that started with this woman, but now we're, we're just going to have a desires for stuff. All of us, like nobody's exempt for all of us, all of us have desires for stuff. That's not right, according to God. He knows that. We know that. And here's what else we've learned. Even though it's enticing and pleasurable and enjoyable for the moment and the minute, and sometimes the minute lasts for a long time. Look, it seems like people are really living it up, doing everything God said not to. It looks like they're doing great. As a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God, that forever-focused, we believe, and I'm confident, that it's never, ever worth it. When we get to forever, which is closer today, we're closer, you know that church, we're closer today forever than we've ever, ever been. No one is going to look back at a moment where they gave in to the temptation of sin. No one's going to look back at that and have anything but regret. No one's going to make the case before God and his holiness and Jesus in the next life and forever and say, you know what, I'm still glad that I sinned 
back in April 2022. It's never, not just in the end, in this life, it's never actually worth it. Sin always takes more and and charges us more than we ever thought we would pay. Why? Because it's a deception. And what has it got going for us? Attraction and enticement. If it was just romaine lettuce, no one would ever eat it. But it's, it looks good, it smells good, it tastes good. And it's the battle of the mind and the Holy Spirit working us that can start to let us see it for what it actually is. But we need each other, we need help, we're all, we gotta not make this a one-on-one, this is a team sport. We're all capable of being deceived, we're all attracted to sin. It's maybe different sin, your sin attraction may be way different than mine. But we need help. We need each other, and we need to believe and know and sing and say and pray. When I have given in, when I have said yes to sin, it's never, ever, ever been worth it. She saw it. Let me go back to the the last verse that we looked at when she ate. She saw it. She saw it was good and pleasing. She was scared before. Why? Because God said you die. She didn't want to die. She didn't know what death was. So I'm not going near that. Why? Because I'm scared to die. That was all that she had. It was fear. And as we've proven for the course of time, fear is not enough. Fear is not enough to win versus sin. I wish the the church in America and other countries in history, I wish we would learn this, that we don't win against sin with fear. We've tried that. Some of you left church for a long time because all you heard at church was don't sin, and here's why, and it was just fear. Hit you like, this is gonna happen. Some of it was true, some of it wasn't, but it was just fear-based religion, which is not of God, not of Jesus, and it doesn't even work. She was scared to eat, but she didn't trust God. Right, and when the push came to shove and some lies, what did it take? It took one lie. Oh, you won't die. And she was complete. Oh, oh, oh. The only reason she was obeying was out of fear. Sometimes you can obey God and still be wrong because you're obeying out of fear instead of trust, believing. He knows what's best. He created me, and he didn't just create me distant. He created me with power, and he also loves me, and he proved that through the cross of Jesus. If he created me, and has that kind of power, if he loves me to send his son to die for the sins that he knew I was going to commit when I betrayed and disobeyed, if he died for me, rose from the dead, power and love, then I can trust him in the moment of temptation. That what he has for me is best. Trust actually is life-changing. Fear, fear is just miserable. Fear is, you can't win. If you give in to the sin, you got all kinds of shame and all kinds of awful things. If you don't give in to the sin, you only didn't give in to the sin because of fear, and that leads to spiritual pride because, hey, you know, I, and this is not what he's about. It's not what we're about. All it took for Eve is one line. Fear was, she wasn't thinking about fear. She's like, let's go, let's go look at this. Wait a second. If it won't kill me, and the only reason she thought that is because Tricky over here said it, and that was enough for her. If it won't kill me, let me, let me look at this. Well, it looks, it looks good. It looks like it would taste good. Looks good, smells good. I'm actually going to be smarter because of it. Wait a second. If it looks good and tastes good, and I'm going to gain wisdom from it, why would God tell me, wait a second, he's, he's wanting me. He was trying to hold out. He's, I'm missing out. Yeah, he told me I could eat all this wonderful stuff, but he told me not to eat the best thing here. God's holding out. I'm missing out. Right? You see, you've been there. It's not with fruit. Right? People say it's an apple. Nowhere in scriptures that talk about an apple. It was probably a fig. I don't know how a fig looks good, but not fig Newton, but like a fig. We don't know what it was, but it's not that. Nobody this week's going to be like, oh, should I, in the supermarket, you know, should I get this? It's not about eating fruit. It's about, do you trust what God said? Did God really say? And there's a lot more to this that we're going to pick up next week. But today, I just want to sit in this idea of missing out. And the beginning of the battle of the mind, and you you can find this if you're willing to be vulnerable, but we're not going to stand up with a microphone and talk about this today. If you'll be vulnerable in your own self today, just think back to the last week or two. Have you had any of these thoughts in your head, any of these words? I deserve I should get to. I've never gotten to. 
I'm missing out on anything as far as decisions and life and relationships and doing what God said or not. If you're thinking, I've never gotten to experience, I've never done this, I deserve, I should get to, that's where you got to bring to Jesus because that's the beginning of a whisper of an enemy that wants to destroy. There's a major obstacle to faith today among your friends, my friends, a major obstacle to people following Jesus. And there's a bunch of them, right? But it's this idea, if I come to Jesus, I'm going to miss out. Some of you had that fear before you came to Jesus. You need to tell that testimony boldly, not from stage necessarily, but in your real life, because there's people in your life that think, oh, I like the gospel, this idea that somebody loves me like that, that I can be clean and free and know my creator, rescued and adopted. I'm drawn to that. But man, if I do that, I got to give up all the good stuff. People think that. If you know that's not true, you got to say it. They'll listen to you. You're not a preacher. You just say it in love as a friend. And sometimes it is the party life and the stuff that this world glamorizes. And sometimes it's not. It's not, it's not people that, want it, that are into that lifestyle. You know what the common denominator across the spectrum for all time, all centuries, all cultures, and so true still today, there's one common major obstacle of people coming to faith, and that is giving up control. It, it may be control over what you drink. It may be control over who you date. It may be control over what you watch. It may be control over what you do for a living and what you do for your money. It may be. Nothing specific, just the general idea. I'm not giving up control of my life to anybody. And that is the obstacle because Jesus doesn't play that. He doesn't say, you know what? I'll sit in the back seat. If you need me, I'm right here to tell you where to turn and I'll be your Lord and Savior best I can. No, he's, he loves you, but he's give me the keys or you drive. There's only, you can't, two people can't drive a car. And that giving up control, that's why we got to help people know the power, the authority, and the goodness of God. So, that, so they're like, hey, he's not holding out. I'm not missing out when I come to him. So let me just ask this for you and God to work through this week, and maybe hopefully even today. What area of, of your life, right now, not when you were younger, not when you came to... What area of your life, teenager, senior citizen, everybody in between, single, married, not, what area of your life are you determined to keep control? Man, if you could be honest enough to answer that, not to me, but to God, like that's the beginning of some beautiful stuff in this series. What area of your life are you determined to not let God speak into to keep control, not to do anything awful, not that you're planning some big sin, just what is an area of your life that you find it really hard to let God be Lord in? If you could answer that honestly to him, and if you don't know, pray through it. And then remember taking every thought captive and we'll begin exposing this fear of missing out is actually gonna lead to the abundant life that he called us to. Let me pray that over you and then I got something important after the prayer. Father, we, 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 we preached some bold stuff last week and it was true, God. We thank you that Jesus came to earth, that he wasn't a man, that he was fully God and fully man at the same time. We thank you that he truly died on a cross for our sins, paid our debt for us and that he truly rose from the dead. We thank you that you love us and you did that. But God, some of us, we're just trying to believe that, but it's really hard because it happened so long ago and it's just on faith. Would you teach us that you're so present and the way that we'll know, like we'll know, like we'll know is allowing you into our mind, allowing you into the battle of our thoughts. God, would you release us? Would you help us really believe we can pray crazy stuff. We can say out loud, here's what I want to do right now, God. I know you said it's the worst thing for me, but I really want to, that you'll meet us in that moment. God, would you teach us even today to take thoughts captive, to put them in your lap, to admit them and confess them and walk through them? Would you bless us with community and relationships 
where we have people that love us enough to say, that sounds like you're being deceived. God, would you, right now, as I'm praying this prayer over this beautiful congregation, God, would you help them identify and help me identify areas where we're not giving up control, but we can show up in those prayers and those conversations in this series. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before, amen, amen, amen. Before we go, um, man, it's just so cool, like I said last week, to see our church. We're not scared of this word rebuild. It doesn't mean we were destroyed. It just means it's been a really hard season for a lot of reasons. So we're rebuilding, right? And in that, and I want, I really gonna challenge you to do something today, something. You can choose what? Right? If you're new with us, if you're not sure about us, if you're still figuring us out, welcome to Relentless. We do it three or four times a year. We won't do it again till, you know, for four months because we don't do it in the summer. So that's tomorrow night. You're like, oh, tomorrow night. Can I still get in? Absolutely. It's a small, casual environment. We talk about the church. If you've never been, even if you've been with us for a while, you need to come. Welcome to Relentless. We'll talk about who we are, where we're going, how you fit. There's a big old section of, of question and answer where you can ask what we never get to talk about from stage. That's tomorrow night in this room. Just sign up so we know you're coming because we're super excited if you are coming. All right, so that's one choice. If you're like, man, I've been to Welcome. I'm in on Relentless. Come to sign up for a small group. If you can do Tuesday nights, like, man, I can, I can make two, but I can't make that one in the middle. That's all right. It's going to be three weeks. Come when you can. Sign up so we can be excited and you can make that commitment to coming. And I'm going to give you one more thing. And we have not done great about this from up here. Right? We're, we're getting back to mobilization. We haven't been able to mobilize an army like we wanted to. Right? But with love from Jesus, we, for, for the pandemic, we kind of sent checks. That was our ministry. That's all we could do because everything was shut down. Now as things open back up, there's a ministry that's dear to our hearts. Uh, Travis mentioned Honduras earlier. You know, this is the one that's local. It's just right down the road. It's called With Love from Jesus. And they serve so many people with needs in Raleigh every, almost every day. And we committed a while back to the third Saturday of every month. That's when we work. Now, a lot of people that go fall in love with it and they start working other times and go whenever they want. That's great. But we told them, hey, mark it down. We got the third Saturday, right? We have not been getting the third Saturday. We have been struggling. It's the same few people every time, right? And a lot, there's a lot of reasons for that. Nobody's in trouble. It's in the principal's office, right? A lot of you don't even know because maybe we haven't talked about this a ton. So third Saturday was last week. Well, they were shut down because it was Easter weekend. They take that off for all their staff and stuff. So we actually have the fifth Saturday in April, which is this Saturday. And here's the problem we've been running into. We hit it hard the Sunday before Saturday. Well, guess what? Y'all got lives and schedules and plans. And a lot of you already, I can't do that this Saturday. I would love to, but I'm already booked out. Here's, here's what we want. We got somebody out here uh, in the lobby that'll meet you with an iPad or something. I don't even know who's out here, but they'll say something. She say, I'm looking for with love from Jesus. You'll find them, all right? And they, it might be Raph. Uh, they will sign you up for this Saturday. That's great. But you're like, I can't do this Saturday. It's the third Saturday. Would you just sign up for one Saturday in the rest of the year? Figure out, May, June, July, August, September. Is there a third Saturday you can commit to and hold? One Saturday for the rest of the year. Sign you or your family or whatever up. And that way we can become like a relentless thing instead of like a little tiny small group thing. That's what, that's what our prayer is. So if you don't do anything, we love you and God loves you, but we would love for you to either come to Welcome Relentless, sign up for small groups, or sign up with love from Jesus, or do all of them. That'd be beautiful too. Would you have a great week and we'll see you next time.